Hello, hello. You are listening to Why the World Needs You podcast, hosted by me, Benjamin Fritz. This podcast has been created to empower you to become the person you've always wanted to be. The journey is difficult and the challenges are many, but the rewards of being true to yourself are immeasurable. The objective of this show is to give you a safe, supportive space to learn, gain inspiration, and witness the true power and freedom that comes with becoming the person that you are meant to be. Why the World Needs You is a community of purpose-driven individuals who are passionate, gifted, and have a zest for life. They deeply desire to share their unique voice and gifts in order to make the world a better place for themselves and future generations. They are pulled to a different way of living and a higher purpose, while remaining grounded in their desire to engage and contribute in practical ways. My goal is for you to walk away from each episode with confidence and conviction, sharing your authentic self with the world, as well as a deepening understanding of your potential to impact the world in a way that makes sense to you. I'm honored to have this privilege. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day and your journey. Hello, and welcome to the Why the World Needs You podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Fritz, and today I have Rick Alexander here with me. Rick is an author and a speaker. Rick, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, man. I'm happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So it's funny. I, I like starting these conversations off by uh, like talking about how how we met or like how I came across you. or And it's interesting because I don't think you know this. I don't think I told you, but um, my coaching buddy actually, when when I was like really starting to try to figure out who my people were, who like was really going to be receptive to my messaging and doing it in a way that felt really good to me. Um, there's just a lot of coaches in this space that I don't feel aligned with. I feel like sure, it's, there's just a lot of, um, it's a lot of like positive thinking and, you know, just kind of like, I don't know, things feel fluffy and I don't like that. I don't like that approach. I don't think it's real. I don't think it's relatable. And so my buddy, I was like, dude, I don't know any other like, male coaches that I really feel aligned with. And so he was like, dude, check out Rick Alexander. And so that's how I came across your account. And um, so I've been following you for, I don't know, probably six, nine months, something like that. And um, just absolutely love everything you're about in your messaging and just totally resonates. So I'm, I'm happy to happy to have you here. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know what I think it is, is I think it comes down to, um, <clears throat> I think it comes down to our organizing principles. And I think that there's a lot of people that have organized their life around a picture of success that I just don't share, you know, like whether that's uh, money or whether that's a, a certain amount of validation or, or followership or whatever it is that, however it is that you've conceptualized success, that's kind of your organizing principle. And you're making all kinds of decisions based off of that. And I think in the personal development space, it's super I don't know, it's super easy or trendy to fall into thinking business minded. Right. And so like, and I think when you start to develop yourself, especially if you're an entrepreneur, it's like, how do you not, right? How do you not think in terms of business? But the problem with business is it kind of reduces the world to a very black and white um, landscape where there's, you're, you're really trying to improve your bottom line, you know? And it's like, you might make decisions that are at odds with what you actually want if the bottom line is what you serve. And so I think for me, I just realized along the way that my organizing principle is something, it's just something different. It's something like love or genuine connection. And so I make decisions based on that place. And 
yeah, to your point, I think that there's a, a huge sort of skew in that coaching world. And it's, it's really, I think it's a matter of, of the organizing principles that coaches are like, it's like, if you're coaching someone, what are you guiding them toward? You know? And I just found that all the material metrics I guided myself and others toward, they just weren't enough. There was always the, okay, now what feeling? Yeah. Yeah. I so appreciate that. And it's funny because it like definitely hits home for me because that's a lot of what I've felt. Um, so I've been coaching people in some regard for seven years now. It started with fitness and it's trans transformed more into um, life coaching, help people shift into you know being the person that they want to be into their life's purpose, the work they should be doing, that kind of thing. So the, the biggest shift happened for me almost two years ago, had a bunch of health issues and stuff. And at the time I was really really motivated to like, this is something that I had begun doing with my, my like fitness clients. And I wanted to continue doing with like people just straight up. Like that's what I wanted to help them with was like make these massive shifts in their life. And I had really, I I felt like I gained a lot of perspective, deeper perspective from the health stuff that I went through. And so it started from a really genuine place. And then slowly a year ago, I joined a coaching program that was the epitome of your flashy, you know, you know, 90 days to 10 K months and yeah. just the very flashy, like um, just the sexiness of it. Right. Like just all that allure and just this big shiny object. And I was like, fuck yeah, like this is the, it's exactly what I need. I'm going all in on this. It's going to be great. And when you're talking about like organizing principles, it just makes sense because all of that, is not who I am. And so what I realized in the past, you know, six to nine months is like, oh, this shit didn't work for me. (laughs) I paid thousands of dollars to go through this program that didn't end up working for me, but it was because it wasn't aligned with me. It it wasn't aligned with my principles and who I am, the way that I want to share my message. But it's funny because I kind of had to stumble through all that bullshit in order to really figure out, wait a second, this is that, like, that's not me. This is how I want to come across. This is how I want to be sharing my message. This is how I want to like, yeah, just share with the world and, and the way that I want to be seen. And it's funny cause we were talking just before this about, um, you know, I switched Instagram accounts. I created a new one, no, you know, fake followers or followers that were following me for different reasons in the past. Um, so all that to say it's it really it really matters in knowing that about yourself and mm-hmm. having a deep awareness and understanding of what those principles are yeah you know it's funny i've been <clears throat> i've been thinking a lot about sort of the curse of being a visionary or a guide of some kind and you know the curse is kind of or not the curse but the the part you got to contend with is like, you are the one lost in the woods, right? Cause you're going to show people the path, but it's not like, you know, you know, you actually have to get lost in the woods. <laughs> you've got to spend $9,000 on a program that doesn't work or whatever it is. Right. And I think that, um, so there's two things there. One, I think that that's, you know, accepting that that's your, that's kind of what you want, right? That's your role in life. It's like, okay, if I want the good, if I want to be able to show people the path, that means I've got to walk down a bunch that probably aren't the one, right? And then yep. accepting sort of the shadow of your own your own choosing, you know, the, the world that you want. 
And then at the same time, I think that's also a message to everybody else because look, nobody's, nobody's free of heartache. Everybody's going through things that they don't deserve to go through or that are bullshit or, you know, whatever it is that's going on. You're always one conversation away from something super tragic happening. And like, I, I heard a lecture the other day where someone said, you know, you don't have to scratch very far in someone's life to find something truly like horrific or tragic. You know, maybe it's not you, but the, someone, you know, recently died or was diagnosed or, you know, we're always dealing with this. And I think that, the, the gift, though, the, that you're kind of showing the world with your message that I certainly try to is that we, the human ability relies in our ability to sort of take that pain and transmute it. And so that other people don't have to deal with it in quite the same way or quite the same with quite the same depression or tragedy or however you want to put it. Right. So it's just the fact that when we go through something, we don't have to be victimized by it for the rest of our lives. We actually have the option of making sense of it. And uh, I think that that's, that's what thought leaders and content creators really give us. But I think that's an invitation for everybody else too, because you're going through something that could certainly help the next person. And I think in that way, the world continues to get better. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Are you familiar with the book, The, the Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday? Yeah. Yeah, that's because that's like, you know, basically the principle there is like, how do you turn something that feels like an obstacle into your advantage. And that's something that I think is just hugely like, it's so powerful to understand that, but it's interesting because it's something that is totally not the way that we are taught the way that we're programmed or shown to live. Like it's, obstacles are bad, avoid them at all costs, you know, swerve around them, run away from them. It just keep them like, just get the hell away. Whereas, and I know I've seen a lot of your content that, that has this um, like kind of like feeling or principle to it. And it's about the ability to like face that and go through adversity and let it teach you something because like going through adversity is always going to promote growth in some form or fashion. But if we, so if we don't choose to take that on and then sometimes it's not of our choosing, right? Sometimes things happen to us and we have to fight our way out. But if we don't go through that, we're never, we're, we're uh, what is it I'm trying to say? We're, we're leaving that on the table, right? We're leaving an opportunity to get to the next level of ourselves but we haven't been programmed that way. <laughs> totally. You know, the way I break that problem down in my first book, Burn Your Couch, is I talk about the fact that, you know, actually in both books, you evolve for a world that you really don't live in, you know? And so you have all of this biological baggage. And for, if you could take even the, the span of humanity from, you know, zero to human, like you have, you have such a long period of time where it made absolutely no sense at all to go out and look for extra work, right? Like, like survival was the meaning in and of itself, right? But now we live in a world where survival does not lend itself to meaning. If you survive, merely survive, that is merely all you'll have, right? But we're at a point in our evolution now where with, through technological advance, we actually have the opportunity to go out and, and create new meaning and create new purpose. And I think that you can use that to make the world a better place. But if you rely on your default mode of thinking, your default you know, all the defaults that got you here, then you're going to, you're going to 
continue to avoid the hard thing. And as we found out, avoiding the hard thing, it limits your growth in really massive ways. Yeah, <laughs> really, truly does. I want to take a second because you mentioned your book, books. Um, I want to go ahead and I want to ask you about that in a second, but I want to quickly read because I, so <laughs> I realized today I was like, shit, dude, I haven't read either of his books yet. So I'm going to be ordering those on Amazon and not because I felt like I needed to tell you that, but because I legitimately want to read them. Um, but I wanted to kind of read a little blurb from, um, from Amazon here for you guys for burn your couch. And that is most of us wake up each day with no rhyme or reason as to what should come next. We are essentially living on autopilot. It's as if consumer culture has teamed up with an outdated education system to ensure that our lives become a reflection of other people's ideas, thoughts, and vision. In the meantime, we insistently march toward mediocrity, growing sick, depressed, and more tired by the day. It's time for a revolution and an awakening. At the very least, a shove back at the status quo. And that, when I read that, I was like, oh, fuck, why haven't I purchased this book? Um, because this is, I mean, you could probably read through, like, you know, my random, um, like, scribbles and stuff like that. And I would have something very, very similar to that because I just feel that on such a deep level. But it's interesting how, like, how all those things tied together to kind of create this perfect storm that we're in. Um, but so t- tell us a little bit about your book and just anything you want to, um, uh, and for at least for Burn Your Couch, like, elaborate on that and, like, what, how did you come to write that? Well, I mean, you know, I, I look around at the world and I, why are we also, you know, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to sound callous, but like, we're really fat and dumb and unhappy. And I don't mean that in a, in like a, in a judgmental way. I just mean in general, all of the things that kill us are, is rising when the reality is that health should be, you know, our technological advances right now, we should be living longer than at any point in history, just done based on how much we understand about ourselves. And yet, for the, in the first time in history, our life expectancy was actually reduced due to, and then fill in the blank of the number of things that are killing us that are growing out of control, whether that be suicide, depression, obesity, opioid epidemic, all of these things, you know, it's like, why, how did we get here? You know, and so in Burn Your Couch, I kind of I would say I, I was really trying to take a stab at that problem um, through a lot of doing, you know, it's like through a lot of, in the book, I, I was running ultra marathons a lot. So I was like talking about lessons I learned in those. And, um, and, and I will say that there's a lot, you know, in our culture of hustle and work harder and grind, there's a lot to be said for that. It will get you to a certain point. And then as you like transition to my second book is sort of the realization that what got you here might not get you there. And if grinding and hustling is your only tool, it will leave you at a point where you you put a massive ceiling over yourself, right? And so um, there comes a time where you need to be able to to pick up a new tool, right? You need to be able to understand, you need to be able to connect with people and have compassion and all of these other things that will continue to grow the your life in a prosperous direction. Um, and so these two books are me kind of grappling with that problem and then how to how to transcend that problem and then my second book ambitious heroes and heartache it's like one of the things i found in burn your couch is you know you go after all these things when i wrote burn your couch i had a supplement company that was uh doing 
almost half a million dollars in sales. Like I was really doing well. And then what happens when the bottom falls out of your life and, you know, the person you were going to marry breaks up with you and the business goes to shit. And, you know, it's not that I had all these things happen at once, which I feel very fortunate to have, but it's, but most people, it's actually like a slow drip, right? Something doesn't work out. And then the next thing kind of, well, it's not really what you want. You get in this habit of accepting less than you want. And so um, the second book is really me trying to grapple with, well, then what, how do you talk to yourself? Like, who are you when all these things fall out? And how do you keep going with a life that you're happy with? And then to your point, can all of these obstacles be leveraged as, as points of growth? And in what I found in my work is that they definitely can be. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing all that. Um, curious for you in terms of, have you always been uh, like curious and respectful? and reflective about the human condition. How did you kind of get into really like chewing on that and, and eventually writing about it? Um, I think in some respects I had to play the game long enough to realize it was one, you know, I had to keep going after the finish lines and the money and the girls and the validation and all that stuff just to realize like I was no happier than when I had started out. And in fact, maybe even further from whatever I would consider to be a life that I wanted. Um, And so I think that part of it was just like, reaching finish lines and and feeling like, you know, I I was really feeling hedonic adaptation, which what that means is whenever you achieve something, you eventually fall back to your relative level of happiness, whatever it was before you thought that that thing was going to be the answer to your, to your problems. And so I kept, I was on this hedonic treadmill where I would get things I wanted and not be happy with them um, or it wouldn't be what I wanted. And then when I was, I talk about what kind of started my second book is getting out of the military my business not working out, my relationship not working out. Like I was sort of in this point where I was like, okay, so I've had all these plans of what I was going to do with my life and what I thought success would be. And every single one of them is basically like, now it's like, we can do whatever you want. And I'm like, I don't want to do whatever I want. I want to go do what I was going to do, you know? Um, And I realized though, in sitting in that just uncomfortable tension of collapse, realizing like, okay, what else? I kind of asked myself what else is true. Or I think I heard someone else say, what else is true? It's like, Oh, right. So this is what else am I free to pursue? What have I been putting off? You know, and the truth is I've been, I've wanted to be a writer since I was like in fifth grade, you know, I just never saw it as a viable opportunity, like thing that I could go do. And so like, I found success, like in going in special operations in the military. It's like, that's what success is. And then I was like, you know, I realized I'd been running from the thing I'd always wanted to do. And I had to face it when I got out and just tell people, well, I know I had this career in the military, instead of going to work for the state department or something else, I'm just going to go try to figure it out as a writer. You know, it's like I eventually had to face that thing, but um, to bring this conversation a little bit full circle for me, it's, you know, it was a realization that there was always a bigger picture being formed. You know, I was holding up these broken pieces of my life and like, there's just something really deep within me that felt like they were puzzle pieces. I just hadn't yet found where they went. And then you kind of like, if, if you take that, tact in your life you can look back and see all of the memorable moments whether memorable good or memorable bad they were kind of like terrain features on a map you know they were kind of like ushering you in a certain direction pointing you at where you should go and um, sometimes we want to know the whole picture all at once it's been a lot of my work has just been understanding that you really just get the next step and you have to trust that that whole picture is going to be there you know at some point or when it matters or that you're going towards something that is better than what you're leaving even if it even if you loved what you had so a lot of long-winded answer to say yeah I was kind of 
um, making sense of the mess while I was in it and sharing my experience. And that's kind of what I built my platform on. Yeah, and I think that's super powerful because, and I know I've struggled with this on my journey too, is wanting to be the guy that looks like he has it all put together. Mm-hmm. And I because I had that for so much of my life. I I was the guy that had it all put together. I was I was good at sports. I was good looking. I was smart. And like, and while all that was great at the time, and it felt good, I didn't learn how to. I learned how to to latch on to external validation and, and really make that, you know, all my actions were coming from the place of like upholding this. And I, I shouldn't say all, I definitely did things for myself. I definitely, you know, once I, I, I quit the job that I hated and, and started personal training business and stuff like that, like I had points along the way where I was true to myself, but within that, there was so much interspersed of like, wanting to be the guy that looked like he had it all together because that was so like deeply ingrained in me. And it's truly, I feel like up until this past year, it's taken me that long. And I know it'll be a continual journey, but it take me that long to really shed that, that need to, to have it all together. And so all that to say for you, what was, what was that like in, in realizing that, it was okay to be messy. It was okay to bounce from one thing to the next. Cause I've found that too. I found that with the people that I've worked with. I've, I'm sure you found it with the people that you've worked with too. That's like such a huge fear that people have is how, you know, what they're outward, what, you know, how they're perceived, what they look like to the rest of the world, but then also their deep, deep, you know, internal shame around failing and things like that. Like what's your experience been with that either for you or working with people? Yeah. I mean, you know, we deny a lot of problems in ourselves because we want to one, tell ourselves that we have it all together and to project that image to everybody else. And you and I were talking a little bit pre-show and, you know, both of us sort of started in the, in the um, fitness space. And in that space, it's like the whole entire schema is like, look at who I am. You can be like me if you do what I say. Right. And so you, you create this situation where you're kind of the guardian of the standard and you're the gatekeeper and you have the answers. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of business models in that space that, that truly thrive one on Photoshop, but two on just keeping people from being the, having the answer themselves, being the answer for themselves. And um, my message is really like in, in sort of, I guess in the recognition of myself, you know, when I sort of had, my world fall apart a little bit. My, my iconic rock bottom moment. It was kind of the realization of, I think I just been fucking lying to myself. I think I've been lying to myself about who I am and what I want. And, and I think that's evident by the fact that I don't know who I am and I don't know what I want, (laughs) you know? And so I realized in that point um, that I never wanted to be the person I, I can look, we, the way we, we can make anybody believe anything. If we have two things, if we appeal to reason and we do so with a poetic slant, meaning we dress up the language as well, we can make anybody believe anything. And I'm well aware of that. And I think I'm pretty good at being persuasive. Um, and so I think that I found early success in that by just, again, adhering to the model that I was seeing in the world. And I just realized in this moment, if like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want, you know, this is the blind leading the blind. And we see that all through the world. Right. And so um, for me, it was like that realization and then, you know, sort of resolving to the idea that 
you know, whatever I do going forward, I'm going to invite people to explore this world with me. I think that we don't, we don't know the whole picture. I think that this world could be profoundly better if we were better, but I don't know necessarily what that looks like. I do, I have found some of the answers because I'm willing to stumble in the woods lost a lot, you know? Um, And so I think that's been good and bad, right? Because it's been, it's been bad because the other kind of marketing sells, right? I have your answer. I know what you want. I know what you need. Come do what I say that sells. Um, There's a lot less people that are like, they're just want to like that. You're going to be like, Hey, so you're going to wait in the mud. It's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to have to find some of these answers for yourself. I can definitely point you in the right direction, but I can't make you believe in you. You know, that message doesn't sell as much and I'm, but I'm okay with that. I'm willing to just kind of take the, the slow, the slow climb toward what I want um, with people that it's right for. Right. I, I think that's another thing that I did early on is I spent so much time in my life. Um, I spent so much time trying to convince people that, that their answers, I don't know. I, you know, it's like, I didn't have the answers myself. And for some reason I, I could still, it would make me feel better to enlist people in my beliefs, you know? So if I could convince you to believe what I believe, even if I don't really believe it, it still makes me feel better. Um, and so I think the willingness to just sit down and start grappling with all of these assumptions and things that I had built my life on it, it you know, painful, but totally made everything, um, at least I'm clear on, on the next step, you know, which I've never been in my life before. Yeah. I love that. I, I think there's just like, to me, that whole thing is, is fascinating because I, you know, my situation was similar to yours in that I more or less hit a wall because I was unwilling to do the work to really look at things on a deep, deep level beforehand and that kind of then precipitated a a massive crash and then you know you're forced to sit with everything in that moment you know sitting with this deep discomfort as opposed to over time if it just kind of like taking things as they as they'd come you know you kind of use uh, i i'm visual so i immediately think of you look at it from the perspective of in a relationship i'm arguing with my girlfriend and, but I don't bring up the dishes and I leave that till later. And you keep leaving these little things till later and later and later and the, until you break up, you need to divorce or, or you start, you know, there's, there's violence or whatever, because you didn't talk about these little things along the way. And that's, you know, that was my situation. And from what you're telling me, it sounds like you've seen that a lot with people as well of like our inability to face these things and deal with little discomforts. I don't know. I I see one of two ways. It's like either there's people like you or me who who hit some sort of a rock bottom or, you know, our personal rock bottoms all look different Mm -hmm. or there's people that because they never truly hit that rock bottom, they're just in this, like until the day they die, they're just in this perpetual phase of, falling on their face, but getting back up and falling on their face and getting back up instead of actually digging in and sitting with that discomfort and trying to figure out what's wrong, what's broken, what really needs to be looked at. What are your thoughts around that in terms of how can we use our circumstances, what's happening to us, the things in our lives, any markers to 
use those things to kind of be like little wake up calls and be like, Oh, like this is, this is how I need to, or this is a sign that I need to look at my life a little bit deeper. Yeah. I think that a lot of what we do, especially when it comes to subjugating ourselves is we do this in an attempt to like, to fit in whatever that means to us, whatever we've seen. Right. So we want to like be, we want belonging. We want to be accepted by our culture. And a lot of times what we do is we, we will subjugate and repress parts of ourselves so that, because we don't believe that they'll be accepted. Right. And, but the truth is that anything that you push in is just going to come out in a different way. Right. That's what, that's what all the psychoanalysts figured out. That's what Carl Jung's massive work was about. It's like, if you repress anything in yourself, it will be expressed as something that you're not in control of. And on top of that, resentment has an appetite that you'll never satiate. Like you'll, you will never be able to quell what it is that you resent. But oftentimes what happens, I know this was certainly happening to me. It's like, I would accept certain things in the military. It's like, well, you can't do anything about it. That's, that's especially true in the military. But in most of our lives, we actually can, but we don't want to. Um, and so what happens is we just accept the resentment instead of, you know, look, if you have resent something, there's two things you can do about it. You can get over it, like which is to truly accept it, or you can change it. But you can't do any. If you leave it as resentment, you're leaving a splinter in your body that will become infected and it will grow to a place that you're uncomfortable with. And so um, what I was finding in my life is a lot of what was going on was actually a resentment from like two years ago. It's like like the little things that you said, just, bring, you know, if you, you need to be able to voice what you need and what you want and you can't, you can't project that onto other people because other people are going to, they can't possibly understand what it is that you need, especially if you don't. But we, we take all these resentments and all these things that we don't accept about ourselves. And, and we end up, what happens is we end up subjugating, repressing ourselves, and then we end up projecting all of these broken, weird parts onto everybody around us. And so, you know, the first thing that I would say to anybody that's like kind of not sure like what's going on in their life or how they can sort of get it back. It's like, First of all, come to grips with everything that you actually resent, right? Like, it doesn't matter if it's taboo. It doesn't matter if the culture accepts it. You need to figure it out, right? It's not about the culture. It's not about taboo. You need to figure this out for you so that you can figure out what your actual needs are and so that you can actually learn to meet them so you don't put that pressure on other people. You'll be a much better human being if you do. Um, and so I like, one of the things I do with a lot of my clients is I have a maker resentment list. Like, Every single thing that you resent, bring it to the light. Listen, light will, I talk about this in my second book, but as long as you keep something in the shadows, it can grow, it can, it can persist, it can become something that you're not aware of, but light will dis- extinguish shadows without prejudice, right? And so bring that shit into the light, bring it out, understand what it is about yourself that you're not, that you haven't accepted about your reality and then figure out, you know, what you can do about those things, learn to accept them, which sometimes that's a process too, because we have to accept things that are totally unfair in life. Or maybe you could just find a little courage and actually just, you know, express your needs, not in a way that's accusatory, but in a way that like, is like, Hey, both of us want the same thing. And so this is what I need in order for us to accomplish this or you know, whatever that looks like that every situation is different, but just start by, by actually acknowledging all of the parts of your life that you're unhappy with. I think that's what it really comes down to is we do that. We have so many parts that we're unhappy with that, that we just don't accept that so much time goes by that all of a sudden we're in this labyrinth of a life and we're like, how did we get here? Why are we saying it's like, well, it started with a very small acceptance a long time ago and then another one, and then another one. And over time, you slowly stop standing up for yourself and you started accepting more. And the, the self is 
<laughs> rejecting all of it now. And so I think that it always starts something like that. I think that's, that's like radical, brutal honesty. It's not about right or wrong. And it, the problem is that that right or wrong judgment often keeps us from figuring these things out because we're like, like, for example, one of the resentments I had for a long time was I, I just don't like being treated like other people, right? Now that's an entitlement issue. That's something I need to accept and work through, but it doesn't mean it's not there. But for the long, longest time, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even look at it because the society tells you that you're not supposed to be entitled. It's like, and I grew up not to be entitled. So it's like, I wouldn't even voice it to myself and except I would be super pissed every time I flew coach or every time I was, you know, in a line, I wouldn't even go to Disneyland. Like just didn't like it. I was like, I don't like standing in line. I don't like being treated like other people. That's something I got to work through in my life, but you can't work through it if you don't acknowledge it. And so even the little things, it's not about right or wrong. It's about bringing things to the surface so you can, so you, so you can start engaging with your life in a meaningful and straightforward way, not in a way that sees you trying to, you know, swerve around everything that you're scared of or it won't be accepted or whatever. Yeah, I, I so appreciate you sharing that example. It's so funny because, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just we're, we're just so programmed and conditioned to steer so far clear of taboos, right? And it's so totally play inside the lines. Like these are hard boundaries. Don't go outside of them. And that's, and that's a way I was raised and I love my parents to death. I'm very fortunate for how I was raised, but that's one of the things where it's like, you do not, you know, it was very uh, in my body right now. I'm just getting like uptight thinking about it. Like it's just very, very in the lines, you color in the lines and you stay there and you don't go outside. And, and so I think we do ourselves such a disservice by like being in that position. And I, I don't truly know what the answer is to, um, you know, to, I mean, truly, I don't know. The, the way I think about it is like, we really just need to be given space to fuck up more and, and to be, to know that we can still be accepted and loved in what, you know, on a, on a deep level even if we do those things. Whereas, you know, what I'm talking about, I didn't have that comfort, right? Because I was like, oh, if I step outside that, then I, I may not be loved by my parents. I may not feel this sense of safety and security. So I'm curious for you, like, do you have any thoughts about how we we create a space that's that's like safe to do this in? Or how, what does that look like in actual society because this is where shit starts to get hard right is like you know how is this actually implemented and i'm sure you know it's obviously a massive question but just any um things off the top of your head on that yeah totally i think if you have any environment right whether this is your household your friends your relationship especially your your work uh colleagues coworkers, especially subordinates you know if at any point people don't if there's any inkling of unsafety, then they will, they will subjugate themselves in order to remain safe. Okay. So everything, all of this happens because of safety. It's like you grow up in the world, understand that you're everything, right? You're happy. You're sad. You're mad. You're angry. You're, you're loving, you're compassionate, you're graceful, you're short tempered, you're an asshole. Like you're all these things. Right. And so understand that because you are everything, you cannot subjugate any part of yourself 
without it causing like an opponent process. Essentially, some part of you is going to be expressed in some different way, right? And so because you're authentically all of these things, you first have to accept them all in yourself. That's like, it, it won't ever happen. You won't be able to accept other people's because what you're going to see is a projection of your own inadequacies constantly. So the reason I say that though, is because I want like, think about yourself right now. Think about all of the, man, like the deepest, darkest stuff, like the stuff that, that you ne- hope never reaches the light of day and start accepting that about yourself so that it's not so much of a problem to accept all of the things about everybody else. Because if you can accept the things about everybody else, you can make them safe to express them, right? It's not about, it's not like, it doesn't mean that you can't tailor behavior and work toward a better outcome and like change things about yourself, but you can't change what you don't accept, right? Because you don't even acknowledge its existence. And so the you have to acknowledge these things in your in yourself. And then you also have to create an environment for whoever it is that we're talking about here of complete safety where they can express those parts of themselves because then you're dealing with the authentic human, right? Anytime that you are, that somebody's not safe to be who they are, they're identifying with a role. They're not identifying with their humanity. And so to the degree that you identify with your role is to the degree that relationship and authenticity can't exist. And so that's why oftentimes I talk about the military because I spent so long in it, but it's like people that really identified with their roles, they, they're, I I would see this all the time. It's like you would have a, an officer in charge and then the people under them. And if they really identified with their role, instead of with the human part, that's like, Hey, I know you're just fucking doing a job and you're scared and you're working hard and like really accepting all the things about them. And they're like, Hey, this is, this is it. It's my way or the highway all these people below them, I would constantly see them do things just to spite that person. Right? And so it's like, nobody's progressing. We're just like in this war because what everybody actually wants is to be accepted and belonging. But if you don't do that in yourself, you'll never have it in anybody else. And so I think it starts with yourself. And then I think it starts with, and then after that, I think you have to transcend whatever role you're in and actually just say like, this is a human with all of the human predilections that I have. And if you can make them feel safe to express all the things that they're feeling, um, then what you'll find is that you have like an authentic relationship, but like you, you know, ruling by intimidation is effective only for a very, like very small margin of whatever you consider success, right? You can't, you can't let whatever's going to organically come out of that relationship actually flow because you're too busy trying to control everything. I've been rambling yeah, a lot on this show. I realize that right now. You know what? I said I've been rambling a lot on this podcast, but oh, like these ideas are, they're so massive. And also at the same time, I always want to like get across that, like your entire world's a reflection of your inner world. You know, it's like, we won't have peace in this world until people have peace in the heart. Like it's, you are constantly projecting all of, and it t- it's so hard to see that. And I totally understand if this is the first time you're hearing that, you're probably like, the hell is this guy talking about (laughs) it's a you have to get a lot of objectivity to yourself you know you have to stop uh i over identifying with your roles and with your emotions and just get some objectivity so that you can assess like how's your life really going for you are you telling yourself it's going well or is it actually going well and i think if you start to be really honest it's scary but at the same time you, you then have a reality that you can start grappling with and change you can't change again the reality that you don't accept yeah. And that's, no, you're totally right. Like <laughs> that's the crazy thing is 
the the collective is really just a reflection of the health of each individual piece. And so, like, you know, as you're talking about the officer and the role thing, I'm immediately thinking of, you can think of a million examples of that in the real world, right? Like anywhere from your boss at work to political parties to religions to like all these things that become very black and white, all these things that start using fear and then all these things that start capitalizing on your insecurities and the the word that you know like kept coming up for me as you were talking was it's just so we just have so much fucking shame mm. so much shame and shame i mean it runs us it really runs our lives and so then you know what i hear you saying is like as individuals there's yes there's a lot of shit going on and there's you know plenty of stuff that needs our attention and causes and things like that that we can um, you know, be a part of or contribute to or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like, if you don't look inwards and, and look at your inherent issues, because we all have them. And if you don't start working on those things that you like, that's still going to be there. And that's still going to project itself in the world somehow. Um, so I don't know. Those are just kind of all my, I, like I said, you were talking and rambling, which is great. Cause I'm just over here like sitting and thinking about it. And that's to me what came up for it. And, and yeah, I mean, it really, it just, it does start with us. And like you said too, I think the, the problem or the thing that I've really wrestled with in terms of um, like, like really thinking big and, and like in terms of, you know, how do we continue to progress, like I said, as a collective, but because of that, you know, we have to each do our own work. How do we get those, like the the pieces, those of us who are stuck and having a real problem looking, looking at ourselves objectively, like you said, those people that are stuck and like, yeah, no, I am happy. And they're really, really not Mm. like, how the hell do we shake those people and, and, and wake them up? And, and look, this, this also isn't to like shame anybody or, or say that if you're doing that, you're a bad person. Like I think both you and I are very much um, openly speaking that we were in that place at one point. And so there's, there's no shame to that, but it's like eventually like we are responsible for getting ourselves to that point where we can really shake ourselves and, and really start, looking inwards and and dealing with the shit (laughs) yeah i mean you know to your point not only was i there but like i conditioned myself to be there for 30 years so if i take my eye off the ball for a second i fall right back into old patterns and i'm like looking at someone on instagram and comparing myself to them it's like what the hell but like you know you were you have to understand that who you are has been conditioned over the course of however old you are so when you start to change just understand that like that's not going to happen overnight you've got to you know, so to speak, remind yourself at every single turn, you know, the decision to change once isn't enough. You actually have to make that decision in every moment that you want to change. But through that awareness, you create the choice and you create the ability to do so. And then 
further to your point, because I know a lot of people that are probably listening to this are already at least personal development minded. It's actually probably not the listener. It's probably the listener's spouse or the listener's dad. It's just a one you never change, right? <laughs> and so you have all these people and you're like, man, why you just like, why can't you see? Well, understand that one, you can't make anybody do anything. Truly that I believe that to, to my deepest depth, you can't make oh, yeah. anybody do anything. Yep. You certainly can't make them change, right? Uh, we will change when we want to, right? Or when life forces us to, like when we just truly can't take whatever it is that we're holding on to anymore, we'll finally think about putting it down. But until then, we'll convince ourselves we're happy forever. And so what I actually think you want to do if 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 you really want the best for that person is to uh, live your life in such a way that it gives them a name. It gives them something to... Uh, to look toward. Right. And you know, one of the things that's interesting, I've been thinking about this a little bit lately is like, sometimes if you really have your shit together, you really put your life together in a way that like you're, you're happy, like that's a, it radiates, right? Like people understand when you're truly happy um, for the most part. And one of the things about beauty is that it highlights what's not that. Right. And so sometimes what you'll find is if you start really getting your life together, some of your friends will have an aversion or your siblings or whatever will have an aversion to being around you. And what's actually happening uh, that they don't understand in the, at a subconscious level is that they're being highlighted what their own inadequacies, what they're not, what they could work on. Right. And so, so it's sort of a give and a take, but just understand it's really not, it's never about you. It's always about that person, whatever it is that they're dealing with until they learn how to see those things. Uh, and then further, because you can't make anyone change, what you can do is just be a light right? Light is only helpful. It's not, doesn't judge a light doesn't, it's just helps, right? It goes where it's needed and it illuminates. And I think that that's what I think as our, as people that are like conscious human beings, I think that the best thing that we can do is, is strive to just be a light for the people that are still asleep, right? It's only when they have light and can navigate that they'll actually figure out where they're going, but you're not going to, you can't make them get anywhere they don't want to go. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because that's beautifully said and it's it's so yeah, it's just so true. I, but I love the thinking about it in terms of being a light, being the light. Like because that's truly you can do all you can do and the the reason that that really resonates for me and I love that so much is one of the things that I've struggled with through my entire life is and whether it's right or wrong, like if, if I deeply believe something mm-hmm. and I feel that it's right and it's right to me for whatever reason, like I said, objectively, it could be very wrong, <laughs> but to me, if it's very right, I, you know, like I'll, I'll go in that direction. I'll believe those things or do those things, whatever. But then if somebody, if I can tell that somebody's not there with me or if they are kind of, you know, clashing or rejecting that or whatever, my reaction and of course this is like um you know this comes from my own deep-seated issues is i just want to shake them and be like why the fuck don't you understand like this is how it is like just i just like open your eyes why can you not get it um so the reason i share that is because that's a shitty energy and like you said you're not going to change anybody like that and Mm -hmm. so for me over time it's been coming to that understanding of look you're not going to change anybody's minds. You're not going to, you could be a saint. You could be the smartest person in the world, but if people don't want to get it, 
or they don't want to try to or aren't ready to or whatever it is, it simply doesn't matter. Mm. And so instead of, you know, so back to my personal example is like what I was doing is I'm putting so much energy into somebody else's reaction instead of just worrying about what I'm doing and controlling how I'm showing up, how I am being, I'm also have so much energy invested in somebody else's reaction. So -hmm. when you're talking about the light and being a light to me, there's one light source there. There's, there's one source and everything from that is outgoing. Mm. And that's powerful because that is all you have control over. That is all you can do instead of trying to worry about kind of that other source or that other incoming energy. So it's just like, you know, be you do what it is you believe, do the right things. And just kind of like you said too, I think this is a really important piece for people listening to understand because it can be a real, real pain point in if you are kind of coming awake or or feeling like you're really understanding things at a much deeper level or yourself, the the people around you (laughs) can be really fucking frustrating when the people around you don't get it or a step further, they start to actively push back on you. And I've had that happen in my life with one of my best friends. I've had that happen with um, my sister who doesn't speak to the family anymore, but it was specifically pointed at me when, when things were happening. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I put those examples out there not to put these people on blast, but because I want people to know that I've been through it and it's, it's very, very real and it's painful and it sucks. But at the end of the day, you just have to accept it. And as long as you can believe in or have a deep knowing that what you are doing is the right thing and you are being the person that you should be, then you kind of just have to let all the chips fall as they may, right? Yeah, totally. And if you're looking to do something about it, then again, look within, you know, I think the world is constantly showing us people, places and scenarios where we're not free. And if you buy my uh, theory that your outer world is a reflection of your inner world, whenever you find yourself saying, why can't they, whatever, ask yourself, why can't you, right? And uh, maybe you come up with something, maybe that, if the, I like to say this, but if the problem's out in the world, you can't do anything about it. But if the problem's you, well, that's something you can actually fix. And so as soon as you say, why can't, how does, like, as soon as you put a problem out in the world, just sit with it for a bit and see if that's something in yourself that you can fix. You know, um, one of the ways that I have seen this show up is like I arguing with family members that are dogmatically religious. Um, I see the world in a religious context, meaning I, I choose to believe in mystery and I under, and I think that there's a lot of symbolism and things kind of, um, there's a lot of, uh, there's always an underlying picture under the mystery. Let's say that and there's always order under the chaos. That's what I believe. Um, but, but I, in dealing with family that's dogmatically religious, I would always be like, why can't he just see that? Like what he's saying is actually about love and that he's, you know, defying himself in, in the way that he's saying it. But it's like, if I ask myself that it's like, well, then clearly I'm not where I think that I am <laughs> because I'm only finding faults in other people. And so it's like, yep. you know, um, the work is never done and you'll always slip back into it. But I do believe that it's, it's honestly just a far more beneficial approach to just try to find these faults 
find these problems, find these things in yourself, not to berate yourself, but to just understand that if you can, if you can accept them there, then the world that you live in will have, you'll find much more ease in that world as well. Yeah. And really it's just a much more empowering way of looking at it. Yeah. It's, (laughs) that's truly what it is. Totally. And you know, at the end of the day, I can't prove any of this, right? It's like, that's, that's kind of my thing as I, I heard it a lot. It's like, you know, one of the things you that's common in the personal development space, although I think not always uh, the magnitude of it's not always appreciated or understood. It's like, why is this happening for me and not to me? Now, look, I can't prove that that's true, right? All I'm saying right. is that if you can find a reason, it gives you something to start working with to get you out of it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so it's like, it's all about how you conceptualize the world. It's look, totally like you know you didn't deserve to have that diagnosis or to have that thing happen to you like a totally right i can't prove that it's like there's some beneficial slant but what i do know is if you act like it it seems to be true well and i think what's so cool about that and again you know totally appreciate the grounded approach there of being like yeah you know, like <laughs> what i'm saying may not be 100% true in the you know the the technicalities but what it creates then is what's important and that's that's truly what matters at the end of the day is like what you do again with what with what you can control and i think to me this kind of goes back to the growth thing to the obstacles it really doesn't matter why or how it just matters what you do with it. Like once it's there or it's happening, like that is truth, right? Mm. That is what's true. So now do something (laughs) like you can only respond to that. Yeah, totally. I think um, in, in a book I'm writing right now, I'm sort of mapping out all the pathologies of thought, like what thought leads to disease in our life or what thought keeps us stuck. And, uh, I think a lot of times, you know, we will just spend forever arguing over trivial objections without ever getting to what you and I are talking about right now, which is like, listen, can anybody prove that God exists or that he doesn't, you know, or that it doesn't, however you like to conceptualize it. It's like, no, why? Because you can only think in a four dimensional reality and whatever you're talking about is ultimate. So it's actually unknowable to the way that your mind makes sense of the world that you're in. And so the question then is, is it productive for your life to have those beliefs, to engage with the world in a way that would make that true or not true? That's what you're actually asking. And we'll just, we'll be like, oh, well, they're hypocrites. So I'm not going to go there. It's like, you're, you're totally, you're just using those as excuses to keep yourself stuck. That's not even the question. And so I think a lot of times we tend to get stuck in those trivial objections when the reality is like, okay, well, it's not that you're not like, you're right. When you have a, when life doesn't work out and you grow cynical, it's not that you're not correct. It's that you're cutting off the branch you're sitting on. You know what I mean? And so we'll, we'll, I, I think we really have to ask ourselves is like, is this, productive is this what is this getting us to a better life is it getting us to where we want to be because if it's not it's actually not a matter of being right it's just that you're viewing it from a a piss poor point you need to find a new perspective so you can find a new trail that's what matters yeah what what's the saying is like cutting off your nose to spite your face or something yeah like and that's truly and and this like to me one of the things that this is like reminiscent of is 
it ties a couple of the things that we're talking about together. For me, there was, you know, I was raised in a religious family. There was a point where I kind of denounced religion and, and lived a very, like, I was like, I'm not believing that shit. It causes so much bad in the world. Mm. And so I was, I was in that place for a while. And now I'm very grounded in, in my sense of spirituality and how I, um, you know, feel connected to things. And by the way, I really like what you said before about um, there's always kind of like order to the chaos. That's mm. I just, it makes so much sense to me. Um, but during that time, or I should say like where, where I'm at now, there have been times where coming into this transition to where I'm at now, where I was feeling very, like I was like the, the, the person I was five years ago, 10 years ago would have judged the shit out of me. Mm. And it was almost like I was like grappling with myself at that point. But so, you know, just to show that example, but then yes, other people, you know, do the same thing with, with each other as well. Like it doesn't fucking matter at the end of the day, like truly the, like that, the, the existence of, of God, whether that's true or not, like whether it's there, we, We'll never know. We just never will. We will not have the instruments to get to that point. And so like you said, so it's like going a layer deeper than that and being like, okay, well, why does it actually matter? And then acting on that, acting on the things that are, are going to move the needle, whether it's in your life, whether for it's the sake of humanity or whatever. Yeah. Whether that's personal development, religion or anything. I think if you Look, if you act as if that thing is true. Now, that's the difference, though, right? Your belief can't be what you say because your your actual belief is what you do. There's a lot of Christians that are not living a life based off of Jesus, right? Like, truly. Yeah. Like, they're just because their belief is what they what they say. But it's like your actual belief is how you act, right? That's at right. the very bottom of your belief system. And so when you think about it, it's like, okay, so if you were to act as if this were true, whether again, whether that's religion or personal development, does it make your life better or worse? That's the question. Because if it's making your life worse, then stop going in that direction. Yeah. Right? Because because a million things are true. And like that's the thing. You start like grappling with truth. I sat down to write a book on truth. No way. It's like because you're you're in a bottomless pit because yeah. you're you only you have a finite perspective and so you're stuck in a finite perspective, meaning you can only see the world from where you're sitting. You can't see it from any other perspective and, and you can move to another perspective, but there's still your, by the nature of your awareness, you're leaving out far more than you can take in. And so you're actually leaving a lot of truth outside. There's that is true. And then there's a million other things that are also true that you're not aware of and can't be. And so then the question becomes again, is it making your life better or not? Like that's kind of why I say with cynicism and stuff, it's like, look, you can believe that the world is this place where things don't work out and that's true. But then you live in a place where things don't work out and that's true. And so it's like, you have to understand, it's like, what kind of world are you, you know, all of your thoughts, your actions, your habits, you're constantly breathing life into your world. It's, you're driving around the, the you know, you're driving on the highway and everyone that cuts you off is an idiot. Like, maybe you're right. But the, the reality is now you live in a world full of idiots, right? <laughs> it's like, I don't want to live in a world full of idiots. Yeah. So maybe I should choose to see the nuance in that person. Maybe I should, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. I just think that grappling with these things will lead you to a deeper understanding. And then the question becomes, is that understanding making your life better or is it making it worse? Yeah, no, that's, that's, <laughs> it's massive because this came up on actually the, the, the guy that um, like made you known to me. Um, I was, we did the, I think my second or third episode together. 
but he's like a, a spiritual healer. He does Who's Reiki this? and what's that? What's his name? Neil DeSimanthan. Okay. Cool. Um, and so he does energy work. He's a very spiritual guy. He wasn't always. So for me, that was not something like, it's still something that I don't fully understand, but I try to, you know, I'm at a place in my life where it's like, I try to go a path of non-judgment, right? It's like just trying to understand everything, being open to everything. And, and two, I'll kind of, I'll go back and relate this to my story and where I've come from and wanting to be right or wrong, right? And, and wanting there to be a black and a white and just understanding that there is a gray area and something that is true for one person may be untrue for a different person. But we argue these semantics so much. So what we came to was basically talking about an experience that I had working with him and we started talking about the placebo effect. And it was like, well, look, <laughs> at the end of the day, my experience was my experience. And that was true for me. What happened, happened. So it doesn't matter if he worked some crazy voodoo shit on me or if he didn't do anything mm. because I had a response and something happened for me. And so that's the truth. And so uh, like, you know, just kind of like that's a placebo effect, right? Is like if there is a response, then what does it matter if it's quote unquote actually doing something or not? Yeah. So I, I think that like that in an, you know, cause uh, too, like in the world of, you know, holistic healing and medicine and all these things, we're finding that the mind does have a profound effect and you can argue that's because there's, there's chemical reactions and things like that. But again, it's semantics. It's like, if, if there is some positive benefit, then, then there is, <laughs> right? Totally, right. Yeah, placebo is wild because it's such a strong, it's nothing by definition. And it's such a strong, there's such a strong case for nothing changing your life that the most rigid institutions in the world absolutely have to control for it or they can't go to market. Like, that's wild, right? What does that tell you? I think what it tells you is that reality is a lot more pliable than most of us yeah. want to believe. And like your, to your earlier point is we simplify things so we can understand them. But that doesn't mean we're correct. It means we simplified it to understand it. But, you know, that doesn't mean we have a full understanding of it. One of the things I was thinking about lately is like, why is it that the way that we live is always a revolutionary's dying word? You know, why is it that, that and, and you know what it is, is often it's because we conceptualize the world in a certain way, like hierarchically, let's say for right now, that's what's gotten us to where we are right now. And, and there's been a lot of problems with that. Like the patriarchy has caused it ton of issues right there's been a ton of oppression and at the same time it's what we had to work with we evolved in a hierarchical status so it makes sense that as we were as our consciousness was illuminated we continued what we know but then at the same time there reaches a point where this dualistic me versus them you realize like you're always creating a side that's being oppressed no matter what and so there comes a time where it's like okay maybe we need to conceptualize the whole thing differently and the reason that revolutionaries are killed is because they're like, well, you're wrong and you're wrong. We have to do this different. And so both sides are like, you know, they want to be right. And, but at the same time, they're trying to defend their way of life. And so the revolutionary always gets killed pretty much straight up throughout history. But the reason being is because they were able to pull their head outside of the current perspective, right? It's like 
we'll never have peace in the world, for example, if, if fear exists, right? Because you're, you always have to defend yourself, right? And you can justify it to yourself, but just understand that the person that's shooting back is also justifying it to themselves. It's not like they're not. And so then it's like, oh, so if the world's going to change, we actually have to admit that both parties are incorrect and that there's a better way to be. Uh, but that is, you know, people, that's what we're, that's like the human struggle, right? That's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and so, but also too, to say that like, you know, if you're somebody that's sort of waking up to your life and starting to ask yourself some deeper questions about what the hell you're doing here and why, understand that it's not supported by the world yet, right? Like, I do believe that we're kind of at a pivotal moment in history where consciousness is actually expanding. Um, and I think that's why we're seeing so much pain right now. But just understand that if you're ahead of the curve, you know, you're, you're looking at, you're looking at people sling mud back and forth and you're like, you, you do realize you're both muddy, right? It's like, you're the insane one right now. But um, I would say that, you know, sanity right now is just, it's being adjusted to a profoundly sick world, but that doesn't mean that, um, that doesn't mean that you should, you're crazy for seeing the insanity, I guess. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I love the, love the visual there. Um, so th- I feel like that kind of takes us full circle to one of the things you were mentioning at the beginning of how we're, kind of fat, sick, um, unhealthy. And that's more or less what, you know, I'm understanding what you said there. So, you know, if we're thinking really, really big scale here, I mean, how do you think that rectifies itself? Is that possible? And if so, like, what should we be working towards? Yeah. I mean, look, if anything is above questioning, then it will be uh, skewed from the truth. You know, if it can't be questioned, then there's, that's because there's some part of it that isn't true. And so um, I would say that it always begins with, with questioning. And, and, you know, the thing to understand too is a lot of people are, if you can formulate a problem correctly, you actually get a lot closer to the answer. And so I actually think that what you should do, what we all, like, I think what we all kind of are waking up to and what we need to start doing is just asking ourselves, like being really honest with ourselves about the way that we're living and asking the right questions of our faith, of our, of our institutions, of our education system, of all of these things. And that's not to villainize them, right? Because where we are in the world is, look, technology and capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty than any other movement ever, any organization you know anything it's but also understanding that okay well there's some shadows every light that you have casts a shadow and so maybe we need to start addressing those shadows with with some questions you know maybe we need to we need to realize that no institution's too big to fail or no organization or no industry or no you know it's like no nothing this is all everything in this world is what the Buddhists call samsara. It's death and rebirth, you know, and to the degree that you hold either of those two, you cling to life in either of those two scenarios is to the degree that you're not in harmony with the rest of the world. And I think that, um, I'm, I'm rambling again, but I think that we need to start questioning our, our allegiances. We should question the things that we believe. And that's not because we want to shit on them. It's actually just because we want to know what else might be true. Is there a better way to live? Is there a way that, might be more conducive you know we've accepted that we have to make decisions for safety and and that might ensue that might mean taking a job that that you don't want like maybe safety is not the top priority in a 
impermanent world where you could be killed in any second. You know, I don't know. Like I'm just saying, I think we need to ask ourselves those questions instead of just agreeing with the collective. You know, it's like there's a lot of times in history that we can look back and be like the the collective was wrong, right? Like, I mean, you you don't look at Germany in the 1930s. It's like, you know, look at America in the 1950s in the, in the civil rights movement. It's like the, the collective has been wrong over and over and over. That's not to shit on them, but it's to say that nothing is above questioning. If you want to change things, you got to start questioning them and asking yourself what else might be true. Um, that's what I did in my own life. And I do believe that that's, that's how revolution starts, you know? Yeah. I think what's interesting there is, so I mean, now I'm just thinking a lot. So hard, hard to talk when I'm thinking. Um, what that brought up for me was thinking about critical thinking, right? When you're talking about questioning, to me, that goes hand in hand with critical thinking, not going along with the collective, thinking for yourself. And I don't think that we've been programmed to do that and or we've been deprogrammed to do that based on media and things like that. And I think this is probably a, a good, like the way we're, I feel like we're wrapping things up. We're kind of like bringing everything into like, we're, we're zooming out a little bit. Um, but I, like the weaponization of fear, you wrote a post on this recently and I was like, Oh shit, we got to talk about that. And I feel like this is kind of what that's leading to. And to me, fear in the media and critical thinking or the lack thereof, all these things are kind of tied together in some way. And it feels like it's getting we're because I totally agree with you. We're at a point where consciousness is expanding and I think there's a lot of opportunity, but that doesn't come without the pain because there has to be this, this growth or rebirth process. But, you know, so a lot of my fears or the things that I feel on a very personal level have stemmed from the fact of how can we question these things? Are we going to be able to question without being quote unquote killed, whether literally or figuratively? Um, So, so that's the interesting thing for me. And again, this isn't truly a question or anything. It's more of just like, I'm just thinking out loud, but to me, all those things are intertwined. And so I know, like I said, to make this a little bit more pointed for you, you had mentioned um, that post about fear. So talk a little bit more on anything that I just mentioned, I guess. Yeah, I've been thinking about fear a lot and I don't know that I have any definitive, um, you know, I don't have any definitive methodology. I think that's kind of what I'm working on mentally right now. But the one thing that, or the things I could say is like, okay, so what do we know about fear? So um, first of all, I would say in the Bible over 360 times, there's a verse that tells you not to be afraid. Um, and that's it. That's quite interesting to me because a lot of people will preach the Bible using fear. Um, and so I, I think that if you want to know if someone's in accordance with what they're preaching, just ask if they're, are they using fear to motivate? Because if they do, and the actual book tells you not to more than it tells you any other thing, maybe there's a discrepancy there. So that's, that's what we know. Uh, what else do we know about fear? We know that without fear, uh, you cannot be controlled, right? You can only be controlled. You can only be told to do something if you fear the reprisal of not doing that thing, right? And so we do know that fear is, it's, it is the tool to make something happen. 
Um, so we know that as well, right? So that might be another reason to resist it. Uh, another thing that we know about fear is if you make your decisions based on fear, you will make your, you will leave yourself with less and less freedom, right? So fear begets itself. And so the way that I did a kind of whiteboard on my Instagram about this, but you can think about if you make a decision motivated by fear, it means you can't face that thing. So let's use like rejection, for example. Maybe you're scared of rejection. Well, rejection actually happens pretty infrequently, even in the, you know, I'm a real go-getter and like rejection happens pretty infrequently. Sometimes it does, but it's not that frequent. But if I make decisions based on the fear of rejection, that fear will be there far more frequent than the actual thing. I will, I will swerve around all kinds of situations in my life where rejection might happen. And so what you can see is you're like boxing yourself in. And then, so all of these different fears, I think the one that I described on my whiteboard was like, Okay, so you have the fear of rejection. So you're like, oh, I can't go that way. So I got to go this way. And maybe you have a fear of intimacy. And you're like, well, I can't go because most people do. It's like, well, I can't go that way. So um, what happens is you end up you end up boxing in your own existence, and you're you're left with less and less freedom, left and le- less and less movement uh, and opportunity. Essentially, is what it comes down to. And so what we know about fear is that it can be weaponized. It can uh, lead you away from freedom. It can you be used to coerce your decisions. Uh, And so all of these things to me are just, I'm just realizing, like, I think we need to have a real conversation about how we've learned to manage fear and the role that it it has in our life, because it's a great informational input, right? It's tool. It'll tell you, look, other people in your bloodline that weren't uh, afraid of this thing aren't in your bloodline because they died. And that's why you have fear. It's an informational input to tell you to be careful of something. But you reach the uh, law of diminishing returns rather quickly when it comes to worry. Like you can only ensure the downside. And then after that, it's just taking up bandwidth but not giving you anything. Um, And so all these things about fear, and I think that's something that this current pandemic has really brought to the center of at least my mind um, is, man, I think we're giving fear too much, too much control over ourselves, over our lives. And I think that uh, it might be leading us to some pretty unhappy places. And if you think about anyone that takes a job uh, and that, that they don't want, it's almost always out of fear, right? That if mm-hmm. you prioritize the benefits over meaning, values, and happiness, well, you probably made a decision out of fear. The problem is you make too many decisions out of fear, your, your, life, your own life strangles you. Yeah, I think that's, that's really powerful. And like you said, a, a good thing to, to chew on, um, just because there's, there's so much there. And if, I mean, essentially, like you said, I think that's really what matters is the more you make decisions out of fear, the less freedom you have. And I think all of us, at least for, for those listening to this podcast, I think truly at the end of the day, freedom is what most of us want. And, and that all looks different for each and every one of us. But I think this is back to one of the things that you said earlier in the conversation, because we don't have to worry about our baseline needs anymore. We do have those things met. Now it's like, okay, we're trying to create meaning out of what's next. And I think that for, for a lot of us, you know, kind of like millennials and even the younger generations is freedom because that's the next thing is we, we have the ability to create ourselves. We have the ability to create, a deeper sense of meaning and something that we want to do in the world because, you know, we are very privileged. We live in a first world country and we have all these amazing things. We're safe. 
And so we want freedom. And so I think that for anybody listening to really internalize that, because I know with the work that I've done, you know, both on a personal level, but also with the people that I've worked with, almost it, it almost always stems or is rooted in fear. The decisions that you're making in your life, the thing, the reasons that you're unhappy is truly rooted in a lack of agency and a lack of feeling like you have creative control over your life. Like you don't have a say. And so I think that on a personal level, that's really important. And then to, you know, as we're talking a little bit more of a collective, you know, global scale, um, that's, that's a really important conversation as well. Yeah, totally. And I think that it, it, it's got to start internally. I, I truly believe that. It's like there's a Diplo line uh, song that says, just because you're out here running doesn't make you free. And I think that a lot of, that's a lot of people, you know, yeah. I think that, like I said, life is constantly showing you people, places, scenarios, things where you're not free. And so whenever you feel yourself being corralled into really any emotion, right? Like say you're getting angry about something. It's, a, it's an invitation to explore what, what's going on with you. Like you have to sit with your fear long enough to find out its real name. And then, you know, you can figure out what that thing actually is and then you can deal with it appropriately. But, but being scared, it's never gotten anybody anywhere that they wanted to be. Yeah. I, I saw that you wrote a post about that recently and just so love that, you know, like basically sit with that, you know, you have to sit with your fear long enough to understand what it really is. And one of the things that has just stuck with me, I don't even know how it came about, but sometime in the past year, I think it was like six months ago, I was just like, I was like really going through some stuff inwardly. Um, So I just spending a lot of time inwards. And the one thing that came up for me was get curious. And that, I mean, it was like, a, not even a light bulb. It was like a fucking explosion in my head. Cause it's like on a personal level, the amount of value that's there on a human to human level, on a human to world, you know, like larger scale level. Like if we could just get curious about things instead of always wanting to shove our beliefs down somebody's throat or stand our ground because it makes us feel strong and, and like we have power or control over somebody if we could just get curious about anything, there's just so much to be found there. I, I, totally, I totally agree. I actually think curiosity is um, analogous to courage in a lot of ways. And the way that I say that is a reason I say that is look at environments where you're not allowed to be curious. They're environments that rule by fear, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. 20, that is, uh, and I will go to my grave I trust that, I, that that's true. You know, I think I remember growing up in, in religion, like I was literally told, don't be so curious. It's like, <laughs> why, what are you afraid I'm going to find out? Like, what are we, what's, what do you mean? What yeah. you're telling me that I shouldn't use this God given, if that's what you're saying, I shouldn't use this God given curiosity to explore it. Like, I, what are we talking about here? Same thing in the military. You know, there were times overseas where I was like, why would we ever do that? <laughs> And it's like, yeah. that's the last thing that you're allowed to do. It's like, right. Cause this whole thing will topple without the presence of fear. You know, and that's, that's, I think that's the case for a lot of our society, unfortunately. And perhaps maybe it just needs to take a little topple. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Like I said, I haven't, I don't have a methodology for, um, 
I don't have a methodology for dealing with that fear yet. I think I'm still trying to understand it myself, but to your point, I think that the, the antithesis to that fear starts with curiosity. I think that will start opening up doors and showing you new perspectives and showing you new things. Yeah. So good. Um, cool, man. I, I want to kind of wrap this up here with, I've got a little segment at the end here um, called the the visionary hat trick. Cause we, you know, we mentioned, it's funny because we mentioned this word earlier on. A lot of times I don't talk about it in conversations. I think we're a little bit scared of the word visionary. I think um, it feels intimidating. It can feel arrogant, but I truly think at the end of the day, I think that each and every one of us is a visionary in our own way. Uh, we just have to get to the place to allow ourselves to see that and be able to share that. So anyways, that is my, I love the word, but these questions, it's three, three questions, uh, just kind of like a little bit bigger picture stuff, just kind of fun. Um, so I'm going to start with the, the first one is, What's a belief you have that you think sounds a little bit crazy or that you potentially worry about being judged for? I don't know if I worry about judgment so much, but I would say that um, one of my deepest underlying beliefs is that we all actually want the same thing. I think that we are, I think there's only one actual story. I think that's a quest for wholeness. And I think that relationships, I think romantic or otherwise I think that creative endeavors I think that they're all a way to get back to that wholeness I think that we're all just trying to figure out how to do that Hmm. love it Um, second one is for you and your personal mission and vision what does that look like going forward and what are you excited about my personal mission and vision and I, I teach a course on this I, you'd think I would have this one uh, <laughs> ready to go yeah um I think right now is I've questioned so much of my own life that I've really um I think really with in conjunction with this pandemic it's just kind of trying to figure out like what is the world what's happening right now like trying to get my mind around the bigger picture of what's happening and um I think that what I'm the most excited about right now is Uh, Well, okay. So I actually just started going to seminary. So I'm super excited about that. And um, I, you know, I view universal esoteric truths in a way that I think that I almost, I feel as though I can see the differences. Like if I were to talk to you about Christianity, Hinduism, and Buddhism, I almost feel like I am so aware of the differences that I can see them getting caught in different parts of your own psychology. Um, So what I'm the most excited about truly is to um, just share this world that's really changed my life uh, in a lot of ways. And I think that's a way that's quite different than the way it was at least brought up that I was raised to believe it. That sounds super, super interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. And then the final one, uh, I mean, we've already touched on this, honestly, in our conversation, um, but just full zoom out. What's your hope for humanity? Hmm. I, I have the highest hope. <laughs> I think that, um, I, don't, I don't know, man. I, you know, I've been trying to get my mind around the idea of, um, I, I've been trying to get my idea around, you're familiar with any Eckhart Tolle or anything and like yeah. a new earth and, you know, all of, you know, that's new age, but all of these different religions sort of point to like a crux point where humanity kind of topples and reinvents itself. Um, and so my, 
I think, you know, my life, I've seen a lot of ways where I was like lost and I was identifying with the wrong things. I was identifying with bad habits or addictions or just bad ideas, truthfully, that were bringing me further from light or further from prosperity. My highest hope is that, um, my highest hope is that we sort of all, all collectively begin to identify with the the right ideas, you know, the light, the things that that uh, draw us together and don't separate us. It's like, I don't, I don't for one second believe that all the things that we've grown up with in our life, like, you know, we've been in war, we've been at war for 20, 30 years now. Like there's, you know, there's always a massive conflict. Like, I I don't know. I don't believe that that's where, I don't think we have to accept that for humanity. I think that we can do better, but that is definitely going to require an expansion of consciousness. Yeah. I think it's, it's cool to see the, the progression of, your answers and kind of how they all tie into each other. And yeah, I think it's going to be, we're at a very interesting point in our, you know, in human history um, and we're getting to witness that. So, you know, (laughs) whether that's good or bad, I think, I think truly for, for those of us who uh, like thinking deeply and are, and are kind of fascinated by, these bigger picture things, humanity and these other forces at play. It's just, it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. And it'll be, I'm you know, going back to the word. I am super curious to see how things play out over the next year, over the next 10 years, over the next, you know, like over our lifetimes, I think it's just going to be really interesting. Um, mm. So we'll, we'll see if those things come to fruition. Yeah, totally. I'll tell you, I have this, uh, we can end with this. I have this, this underlying deep belief, and this might be enough for me to make every listener be like, okay, I'm done with this guy. But, uh, you right know, before, I don't care. Right before I'm about to pitch your book. Yeah, Rick, I don't on. care if you, if you agree with this, but I just, this is my belief. It's like, this is not your first rodeo. If you're alive right now, it's because you chose to be, you chose to be here. Uh, you know, I think you chose to come to humanity at this very interesting crux point. And the reason I believe that you did is because you believe is because you have a message. You know, I mm-hmm. think that there's some, there's some role that you can play. And I think that it's, that's not, that's not to say that your role is in comparison to mine or mine's better because I try to reach more people, or it might be that you are just a mother that's going to raise an incredible kid, you know, but I believe that if we can all learn to play our role perfectly in, in our, you know, what we feel like we're here for, you know, and you can follow your value system to that that role basically um i do believe that we stand a chance at turning the whole thing around you know but i think that um so so the reason i say that is because i think you should ask yourself like if my life were the curriculum what's the lesson you know because i think if you could start sharing that with people and understanding it you 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 know the light needs people like you i love that i'm gonna I'm going to have to meditate on that one because it blew my mind. Well, because really what I love about what you said there is it really ties into the podcast, which is why the world needs you. I I believe, like I said, I believe we're, we all have a purpose. We all have something that we can contribute. So that's bullshit. If you don't think you have anything that you can contribute because you do, but you threw in an extra variable in that we chose to be here. So that like, that kind of fucking blew my mind and I'm not the, I'm not to sit with that one because that's super interesting to me. Yeah, and I would just ask, like, okay, so whether it's true or not, remember, it's all unknowable. So just ask yourself, if that were true, what would that mean? What would that I mean for your life? 
I think that's a game changing question. Totally. Me too. Well, there we go, guys. <laughs> Rick Alexander. Uh, Rick, where can the people find you and where can they get grab your books? You go to rickalexander.com. All my books are there or at rickalexander underscore on Instagram and my profile. Uh, all, my, all my stuff is there as well. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so, so much. I, I truly appreciate your time in this conversation. Um, I, if our listeners don't enjoy it, well, then you guys, I don't, I don't know if this is the podcast for you because that was uh, good stuff, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's all over the map. It was great. Thanks. <laughs> the best kind, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo. Thanks so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that all the relevant links can be found in the show notes below, as well as that of our free Facebook community, where all the cool kids are at, just being ourselves, sharing our gifts, and supporting the hell out of one another. So come on in, introduce yourself, and join the party. See you in there.